ready to begin. What year is this? The year is 2020, and this is Beyond Sin. Hey there, welcome to the show. This is Beyond Synth, episode 234. And uh, today on the show, uh, later I'll be chatting with Neon Arcadia, but right now, I am joined for the first half of the show with Computer Magic. How's it going? Hello, how's it going? It's okay, I haven't talked to you in a while. I know, it's been a while. Since like last year, probably. So what have you been doing? So right now, I am in quarantine, Mm -hmm. inside. Just playing a bunch of video games and I'm working on this podcast, which I'm writing, which is like taking a little while. Just trying to stay productive and creative. So the podcast you're talking about, that's based on the the other Instagram you run, right? Yeah. So I have an Instagram just every few days. I post about a vintage synthesizer or musicians that use them. And it's usually like... 70s, 80s, 90s. It got really popular, like, unbeknownst to me. Like, I I didn't think that anybody would care at all. And it kind of just grew, and I just figured I'd make a podcast for it. And so the first episode is on Wendy Carlos, who did the score for Clockwork Orange and The Shining, and made this record called Switched on Bach with a Moog synthesizer in the late 60s when it was pretty new, just the idea of synthesizers in general. So it's going to be pretty cool, but I'm writing the whole thing before I record it. And that's like the hardest part. And then I'm going to do like sound design on the podcast and stuff. So it's just taking me a little bit. How long are you aiming for each show to be? Probably like 45 minutes to an hour. Maybe some shows will be less, but I mean, my idea is to have a lot of sound design and for instance like the podcast starts and I'm talking about uh, when Wendy Carlos recorded Switched on Box it was in a basement in New York City in the west side of Manhattan and so like with sound design I want to like have Manhattan-esque sounds so like you hear some cars beeping and I'm walking here like that kind of stuff yeah <laughs> oh you should do some <laughs> I should record you <laughs> like a New York person in the back is that even correct my American geography star Manhattan is New York right yeah yeah wait is Manhattan like a suburb or a city so New York City consists of boroughs so there's Manhattan Brooklyn, Queens, the Bronx. Do people say I'm walking here in Manhattan or is that more of like a Bronx thing? I mean, I think they say it everywhere. Oh, also Staten Island. I forgot about Staten Island. <laughs> uh, how about we actually just keep talking about this, but I want to play some music and then we'll we'll keep tacking. tacking. Sounds good. <laughs> All right. So uh, up first uh, on the show today, we're going to be listening to this cool track from Michael Elliott from his album Retro Summer, and uh, it's pretty cool, and it's called No Sleep Tonight, featuring Josie Tao.
And that was Michael Elliott with the track No Sleep Tonight featuring Josie Tao from the album Retro Summer. And that's a cool track, and that was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. Uh, Now, uh, there's been some changes here, so what's happened? So Ken Giroux has upgraded his support. Ken Giroux, you're a cool guy. So he's now in the $25 club. Thank you very much. I'm very appreciative for your support and stuff, and it really does help. And Ken Giroux is a cool guy. And uh, there's also a new pledge here from... I'm going to fuck up your name, buddy, and I'm sorry. Yasser Hussain Ventura? Sounds good. Yasser Hussain Ventura has joined the $10 club. So thanks, dude. And I just said, thanks, dude. What if Yasser's a lady? No, Yasser sounds like a dude. That's a dude name, right? <laughs> Yasser. Yasser Hussain Ventura, you're a cool guy. And a new uh, $5 pledge from Jared Atom. I think I just chatted with you on Instagram? Or was that in the, uh, was that in the Discord? Anyways, thanks. You're a cool guy, Jared. Thank you for supporting the show. Uh, I appreciate it a lot. And I am here right now with Computer Magic. Hello. We're just talking about this podcast you're doing. Yeah, so I'm working on this podcast. Um, I'm just writing the whole thing before I actually record it. And so that's taking the most amount of time. But once I'm done writing it, I think recording will be relatively easy and then i guess i'll just put it up online you think then once you get the first episode done that's going to help you with sort of the template for the future ones like are you just working on episode one right now yeah yeah i'm just working on episode one i think they're all going to be like the same kind of idea where it just focuses on either a musician or like a company like you know i'd be interested in doing one on roland or moog or something like that but yeah, I'm working on the podcast. I um, I finished a record last year, and I was hoping to get it out this year. And just right before all this corona stuff happened, I was in the midst of um, signing a distribution deal to get the record out. And it's kind of uh, gone on hold. And so I've been sitting on this record. I think like the last time I talked to you is like almost done. And I've been sitting on this record for a while. Yeah, I know I've been bugging you periodically uh, <laughs> for the past, like I feel like year and a half yeah. or maybe even like almost two years. Like, where's the new music? And you're like, oh, it's coming. It's coming. Well, it's like, I mean, this record matters so much to me. And I feel like I've put in the most amount of effort into these songs. And so it's really important to me to release it the right way and the right time and before all this stuff happened like I was like oh so I should tour at this time and then maybe I can release it on this day and I was all planning to do it this year Mm -hmm. but now it's like I mean it just like pains me if I'd have to like wait another year I mean I own all the rights to all my stuff so I could essentially put it out whenever I want I mean the reason why I'd be going with the distribution company is so I could get enough of an advance to um, make music videos and hire PR properly and like get tour support and stuff because like I don't have the money like to just do that all all that stuff myself and so I was kind of put all my eggs in that basket of distribution deal But when all this corona stuff happened, it's like nobody is signing any new deals or taking on like new artists or anything. Yeah, so I'm just like kind of trying to figure out what I'm going to do. That's like stressing me out so much. I'm just like, oh, I should just focus on other things right now until everybody's like 
back in the office. Like, life is just kind of put on hold right now, it feels like. Yeah, and I don't think there's going to be any touring this year. Because in order for things to get back to normal, that's like a ways away. Like, maybe, you know, maybe by summer there's going to be ways of like, hey, man, if you've already got the disease then you are immune so you can go back to work and then maybe they could still open up things like restaurants and stuff and just say like oh only like five people at a time or like do things like that but like returning to normal normal like normal of being able to have like music concerts and stuff I think that's gonna be a while I know I saw my friend um, Adam Green he's like a folk singer indie indie guy but he had to cancel a whole european tour and he just announced his tour dates for february 2021 and i was like oh my god should i start planning like my tour for 2021 it just seems so far away yeah but honestly yeah I I think that's the realistic thing. And then you're ahead of the game, right? Because everybody's like, when things start to normalize just a tiny bit, everybody's going to plan everything all at once. Yeah. So maybe it is like a good thing, like start planning for 2021, but... And then 2020 can be the year of the uh, Synth History Podcast, man. Yeah. It's just like, I was waiting for this year. I was like, I couldn't wait for everything like to happen this year for my record but before this year started i literally had this conversation with so many people about how 2020 was going to be this great year where we're going to fucking propel our projects forward (laughs) and this is the year that we start like experimenting and trying new things and fucking uh you know really getting out there Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden it's just like nope this is going to be year that everything fucking goes on hold this year's stupid anyway look (laughs) now you might be dealing with synth history here but we're going to deal with the synth present right now and listen to some more tunes so this is a track from dana jean phoenix who i think is doing a new album with power nerd i don't know if i think they're collaborating on the whole album i could be wrong i probably am it's called mega wave and uh, this track is called figure me out
right, and that was Figure Me Out by Dana Jean Phoenix from the album Mega Wave, which I think is also a collab with Power Nerd, because uh, there's pictures of them, cartoon pictures of them on the on the album cover, and I hope that's been released because it got sent to me by Outland, and hopefully it was. And anyways, that was brought to you <laughs> by the kings of the Pattersons, my awesome Patreon supporters, Robert D. Bishop, Chris Dance, and Mike Shima. You guys are the, the holy trinity of uh, Beyond Synth awesome supporters, so thank you very much. And to Jacob Wick with the 4488 and City Hunter with the 42. You guys are awesome. And um, I'm here right now with Computer Magic. She's just joining me to co-host the first half of the show. Hello. I wanted to read this letter from Ken Giroux, my uh, patron who just uh, upgraded the support here because he wrote a letter and he mentioned you in it. Whoa. So he says, I was I was streaming on Instagram. He's like, oh, I'm glad I caught your stream. Uh, glad you and your family are safe. Both my wife and I are working from home during this, which is for the best. I bought a larger house last November, so at least we won't be packed into a tiny house that I used to have. That's good. Uh, I wish I had some more time to dust off my basses and guitar, but I have a feeling that my employer is going to expect me to work more than before. Uh, And then he says, uh, it sounded like you're going to have Dan's back on the show, which is great because she is awesome. (laughs) I was actually a fan of hers before I had even discovered your show. I I, I mentioned that I wanted to try and design a video game with my son as just a project for him to do because I'm going to be terrible at like tutoring him. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah. Ken mentions that I should try Unity, although I think I'm going to try Unreal Engine. Oh, to build it? Only because, selfishly, I have a game I want to make, and I feel like I need to make it in Unreal, and so I feel like might as well just learn how to do that. But thanks, Ken, for your message. I didn't read the whole thing, but that's the Cole's Notes version, or the Cliff Notes version. He says, stay safe, you're a cool guy. You're a cool guy, Ken. Anyways, (laughs) so here's the thing, because I've never done too much research on Wendy Carlo, so I love the Clockwork Orange score. Mm -hmm. There's some, like, really cool tunes in there. Okay, so she is transgender, right? Yeah, she is. Okay, because that always, as a kid, it used to confuse the shit out of me because I remember there were some albums that were Walter Carlos. Yeah, so I've been reading like for this thing like so much about her and so just for you know public appearances for a long time she went by Walter Carlos publicly even after she started transitioning to a point where she addressed you know as a woman Wendy Carlos at home when she went to the store with her friends and then when she'd make a public appearance she would dress as a man again very uncomfortably like she just felt not comfortable in her own skin and she would dress up as a man for like public appearances and stuff and so for really long time things were released under Walter Carlos and I think like even like the Clockwork Orange score like it was Walter Carlos's a Clockwork Orange and it didn't get renamed Wendy Carlos's a Clockwork Orange until like 30 years later like in the early 2000s I mean obviously like nowadays it's a it's a topic that everyone's like really familiar with but when I was younger like downloading music and no one was ever really talking about it so I was always just so confused I'm like well Walter and Wendy and I was getting torrents that were like from both (laughs) artists and I'm like is this like a husband and wife duo Mm -hmm. like I never because you know like I never (laughs) I think it was only honestly in the last few years that I finally was like oh I get it (laughs) fucking idiot that's like a big reason why I wanted that to be the first episode too because she was trans at a time when it wasn't as accepted so Wendy Carlos essentially came out in this Playboy article in uh, the late 70s she was very very open in the interview but also like the interviewer was like really judgmental and you could kind of see like that in those times it wasn't as accepting but yeah I don't know I think her story is crazy but like even if you put like the gender stuff aside like she was just so pivotal for like 
bringing synthesizers to the forefront because like before switched on Bach which she had won a Grammy for in the late 60s synthesizers were just like in the background of songs like the Beach Boys had an electro theremin on a song and like the monkeys had used a mug synth but there hadn't been any like record with the synthesizer like highlighted and switched on Bach was just kind of like took the world by storm like whoa like look what you can do with the synthesizer yeah well listen I look forward to listening to uh, to episode one of synth history but first we gotta listen to some music and I don't mean like first because it's still gonna take you like probably months to make the damn thing but like, <laughs> yeah. right now we're gonna listen to some music we're gonna do some artist on artist today that's when uh, I play a track from a, uh, a synthwave act and then they uh, talk about somebody they like and then I play one of their songs and so we are gonna start by playing a track from Neverman. It's called All For You, and it's brought to you by my awesome patrons in the 2666 Club, Hugh Hefner and Lucas Ceballos. And now, uh, here's some Neverman with All For You.
And that was All For You by Neverman. And that was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters in the $25 Club. There's Anthony, Alex Seligson, A Star Apart, Restless Nights, Honeybeard, and Tim Carlton. And uh, I'm here right now with Computer Magic. Hello. Yeah, so maybe, you know what we should do? What? We should resurrect the old segment. So how about we uh, we pull out that uh, jingle? What's your plan? Uh, here it is. I hope I still have it. Oh, no. Nice. Hey, dance! What you playing? Video games. Okay. All right, Dan. So, look, I don't know. I know he's, I always bring this up, but I find calling you Dan's weird, and I don't know why. Really? Do you want to call me computer? What? Well, <laughs> you can call me whatever you want. I mean, not whatever you want. Well, <laughs> <laughs> so listen, what have you been? <laughs> what have you been playing? I've been playing Animal Crossing. <laughs> Should I get that? You know, it's really fun. If you got it, we can go to each other's islands, and I can give you the fruit off my island, <laughs> and you can sell it for double price on your island because it would be exotic fruit. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So, like everybody, you get an island and. Uh, everybody gets different fruit so like for instance like my island for some reason has cherries and my friend mo her island has peaches and so like i'll go to her island and i'll give her some cherries i'll get some peaches and then i'll go back to my island and i'll sell the peaches there because they're worth more in my island because peaches don't exist on my island yet until i grow a a peach tree but uh But yeah, you should get it. It's really fun. But you don't cross paths with other players, right? Like, do you, like, send them a letter in a box or something? Like, how do you send the peaches over? You can go there. I can go to her island and we can, like, hang out together. Oh, really? Yeah, Why yeah. Why did I just act really excited about that? <laughs> 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 what? The little cartoon characters can get together? Well, it's actually pretty cool because, like, I always thought Nintendo... Out of all the consoles, had like the worst online capabilities. Mm-hmm. It's just like you can add people. You can't really. You could play co-op games, but like you can't talk to people in a party like you can like on PlayStation or whatever. And so I was like, wow, this is so neat. Like it's a really cool, especially now. Like you can't really leave the house, but I'll like go to my friends' islands and like get to do stuff. Like I don't know. Oh, crap. Are the sirens really loud? My window's open. <laughs> Hopefully they're not too loud. Well, how about this? I want to. Uh, I just want to play this little segment, and then we'll come back and talk after this uh, track. So okay. we just listened to Neverman. So here is a little clip of Neverman talking about uh, an artist that uh, he really likes, and then we're going to listen to their song. So uh, take it away, Neverman. Hi, this is Neverman. I've been making music as Neverman since 2016 and you can find my stuff at neverman.bandcamp.com and you can follow me on the Twitters and Instagrams if you want. What I'm going to focus on today is duets. They make fantastic music, especially their uh, collaborations with Stuart Lockwood. My first experience with the song I'm going to play today uh, was on my way to work an early spring morning. It was a Monday in the south of Sweden where I live. It's mostly a grey winter. Not much snow or there's just rain (laughs) and wind basically. So when I heard this song and the sun was out for the first time in months, it was just this perfect storm. Um, 
I uh, got a spring in my step and uh, suddenly felt a feeling of endless possibilities and uh, all was good. It instantly places you in a, in a dreamland, a place of uh, youthful love and perfectly mixed drinks. The song also has a melancholy and uh, a longing. It gives you a feeling of how it used to be, not how it is now. Um, I might be projecting something, of course, but uh, you might hear something else. But no matter what, it's perfectly balanced song, uh, drawing you in from the first note. Uh, I'm talking, of course, of um, Running Scared. You've uh, probably heard this song before, but I don't really care. It's uh, an amazing song. So uh, thank you, Duet, for uh, giving us this perfect soundtrack for a spring morning. This is Running Scared with Duet featuring Stuart Lockwood.
right, and that was Duet with Running Scared featuring Stuart Lockwood. That's from the album Borderline. Of course, I've played that song many times on the show because it is fucking fantastic. Uh, I love uh, Stuart's voice, and Duet makes awesome music, and together they are an awesome pair. So an excellent choice by Neverman. And, uh, and that song, of course, was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters in the $25 Club. There's Johnny Five, Pattern Shift, Kempson, and Martin Larby. And I'm back here with Computer Magic. We're going to be talking with Neon Arcadia in just a bit, or at least I am. But uh, right now we're talking about Animal Crossing. So, (laughs) yeah, maybe I will get it. Because I I didn't know you could play with each other. Like, I had this idea that, like, the only way you could communicate with each other was, like, through baskets. I don't know why I thought that. (laughs) Well, you can send each other letters with presents in them. Like, I can open up the gates to my island, which is called Lobster. I named my island Lobster Island. But I can, like, open up the gates to Lobster, and you have an airport... Everybody has an airport on their island. You can go to your airport. You can be like, hey, I want to fly to Lobster Island. And then you can come to my island and I can show you around town, show you where to get some cherries. I can give you some presents. So do you So do you have to invite me to the island and then it becomes an island that comes in like a drop down list for me? Like once we're, our islands are connected or how does that work? So you have a phone in the game and in your phone you have like apps. It's really easy. And... You could, like, add friends and best friends. It's a lot easier to go to the islands like that. Otherwise, like, you go to the airport. If we're friends already on Switch, it'll come up. Or if not, you send... uh, It's called the Dodo code, because I think it's, like, called Dodo Airlines or something. I don't know. If you're not friends with someone, you can send them a code, and then they can come to your island. But, like, if you and I are friends on Nintendo Switch, it'll just come up for us. And then once we go to each other's islands, we can add each other as best friends, and then... It's, like, easier. Yeah, I've been to, like, four or five people's islands already. (laughs) I I have so many different kind of fruit that I planted on my island. Well, I've got, yeah, I've got a bunch of friends who are playing it, and they keep saying, oh, you should get Animal Crossing. And for some reason, I was like, isn't that just just farm? Like, why are they telling me to get it? But now what you're saying actually makes it sound kind of, like, fun and cute. And maybe it's a it's a nice thing to be playing during all this. It is. It's very, it's very, like, a warm-hearted game. You can, like make your house and customize it and so like it was really cute i went to my friend ben's house today on his island and it was his house was exactly what i thought like there was like a little music studio and (laughs) he had like this workout room with like a climbing wall and i was like of course you'd have that and then i went to my friend mo's island last night and she for her career she makes bags like she sews stuff and I went inside her house, and like she had a little sewing machine area, and I'm like, oh my god, of course you'd have that. <laughs> but it's just like, <laughs> it's really funny. Like for you, like you might have like your Beyond synth room where you do streams and shows and stuff. Guns. <laughs> I don't know if I have guns in an Animal Crossing. <laughs> you are a little person, right? Can you dress yourself how you want, or do you are you always dressed in like a straw like farmer hat? No, you can wear whatever you want. There's lots of options. For instance, like my friend Mo gave me this strawberry hat that makes your heads look like a strawberry as a gift. And so, like, I could give you, if I was like, oh, I'm tired of this hat, I'll give it to Andy. I could send you a letter with a strawberry hat in it, and then you could wear that if you wanted. Or I could just go to your island and give it to you. If you give me your strawberry hat, does that mean you don't have it anymore? Yeah. But we could, like, if you know, you could wear it for a little and give it back if you get tired of it. <laughs> <laughs> That's so stupid. 
That's um, pretty funny. <laughs> uh, look, I want to listen to uh, some more music here. So I figure since you're here, we might as well listen to a computer magic track. Oh, hey. uh, this is a classic. This is from the album Dance. Since we're not playing any new computer magic right now, but uh, I thought we'd uh, listen to Perfect Game because uh, that's a nice one. Cool. And, uh, and, and we love it. So here we go. This is Perfect Game by Computer Magic. Oh, I should say it's brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. In the $25 Club, there's Ken Giroux, Blake Peterson, and Gregorio Franco. And now here is Computer Magic with Perfect Game.
And that was Perfect Game by Computer Magic from the album Dan. Hey. And that was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. There's Ashley Keegan with a 2049 who uh, made it back to Ireland safe and sound. So that's good. And then there's Andy's Laugh with the 20 and Rachel Buchelman with the 1985 and Marat with the 1984. You guys are amazing. And I'm here right now with Computer Magic. We're just talking about uh, Animal Crossing. But what else have you been playing? Okay, so I recently got a gaming PC and so now I have access to Steam. I've been playing this game called Soma, which is a horror survival game. It's pretty good, pretty scary. You are this character that you have some kind of problem with your brain and so you go to see a therapist and when you go to see your therapist, he has this machine that kind of gives you a brain scan and this is like current day and once you put this machine on your head when you take it off you are in this way 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 in the future you're in this place that you're very unfamiliar with and you learn that it's a power plant and there's these machine like creatures who are taking over humans and you're, I, I don't know. It's a pretty crazy game. But some I've been playing. Very cool, very like cyberpunk-esque kind of game. And then I also downloaded uh, the new Doom, which I've been playing. Doom Eternal, which is pretty fun. I have a, a really sort of uh, not a great PC for gaming. Like, I think I'm going to make a switch with my with my studio because right now I, I use an iMac, right? Yeah. They're super expensive, and I don't think I necessarily use it to its full potential because pretty much all I do is just edit the show on here. And, like, I would like to be doing a lot more, like editing, like, videos and movies and stuff. And yeah. I think I'm going to eventually make the switch to just uh, building, like, powerful PCs because I use mostly like Adobe products yeah, anyways. You should. Because the other day I posted on my Discord a picture of my like my specs on my computer, my PC, because I was like, oh guys, you think if I just got like a good video card and then everyone looked at my specs and like instantly all just started laughing at how shitty my computer was because I didn't, <laughs> I don't really know that much about it. So I'm like, I figured like, hey, if I just took a few hundred bucks and bought a really good video card, that would make the computer good, right? And they're all like, yeah, don't bother doing that. I'm like, oh, okay. So I got shamed. Well, you can like build a PC for for like 500 bucks you can probably build like your own PC that's really good and you can get the people in Discord to help you build it. What did you do? I mean I just needed like so I have a Mac that's how like I make all my music and I just basically I got really into Magic the Gathering Arena which is another thing I've been playing Magic. <laughs> First of all I had my Mac. I partitioned my drive so with bootcamp so I could open both Windows and Mac at once. But when I would open bootcamp, Arena would be like extremely slow and I couldn't stream it off my Mac and play Arena at the same time. And so I was like, ugh, you know what? I'll just buy like a cheap gaming PC from Best Buy. I went in and I got this really great deal on an open box PC like tower. It didn't come with any, you know, it didn't come with a monitor, it didn't come with a keyboard, it didn't come with even a power cable, no mouse, but like I have all those things anyway. And so I got it for like 200 bucks or something you're like 175 plus tax and that's what i'm using now and i can i'm just like playing games on steam and streaming simultaneously and it runs so much smoother than even when i was like streaming with my game capture software on my mac when i was streaming with my mac like i couldn't open any other programs like it was so slow yeah with a pc like i can it's so so much better for like streaming on twitch and games and stuff oh my god it's like so much faster and i got like a really cheap 
PC. So I'm sure like if you build one. Yeah, no, like I, I feel like what I'm going to do is probably like where the money will go will be like I'll probably build an expensive kind of computer. I mean, when I say expensive, like compared to a Mac, not expensive. Because like, yeah. you know, I always look at those like Mac Pros and go, fuck, they start at $6,000. Like US, it's fucking yeah, it's really ludicrous. Expensive. So I know that, okay, yeah, it's probably still a lot of money to like build a PC for like 2000 2500 bucks or whatever. But like, that would be a computer that would be comparable in power to like, you know, a fucking $6,000 iMac. Oh, yeah. I feel like it'd probably be better. It'd probably be better, like, the power in it. $2,000, like, to build a PC? Yeah, because, I mean, like, literally, if I did that, like, $1,000 of the cost would just be the video card. But then the nice thing about PCs that you can't do with Macs that easy is, like, you know, two years later, three years later, I can just buy another expensive video card and then, like, swap it out with that one and then stay with a powerful machine instead of having, like, a computer that I'll crack in half when I try and upgrade it, which I've done before. Yeah, I've used Macs pretty much my whole adult life. I mean, my first computer was, like, a Dell PC, but then, like, when I was a teenager, I got, like, a Mac and I've had Macs forever, but like I'm just realizing like now to like just get an iPhone and like get another Mac, I don't know if it's like worth all that money and they like break. I've gone through a bunch of laptops. I still have a bunch of programs I like to use. I actually do edit this show on Final Cut because I like the way it works. Yeah, Final Cut's great. Like, I like it for editing the show because it sort of does this thing where it automatically, like, cinches edits together. Um, It's got the magnetic timeline, which Mm -hmm. is sort of annoying if you were going to... Like, if I was going to make a feature film, I would not want to edit it with Final Cut because it's... The way it also, like, duplicates all the media. And if you really have a long timeline, it really starts to chug, even if you have a powerful machine. Like, it's just not built that way. Yeah. But it's great for editing the podcast, and it's it's great for doing short videos, I find. Like, I like the way it works. But that's it. That's my story for you. <laughs> <laughs> well... I think you should build a PC and have the people in your Discord help you build it. Because it sounds like they know a lot of stuff. Or they just like to shame people. But look, <laughs> I want to uh, I want to listen to one more song and then we're I'm going to go to my chat with, uh, with uh, Neon Arcadia. Cool. So here is a track. It's from Cat Temper. And uh, these guys like to make a lot of songs that have a lot of cat puns in them. This is from the album Feralized. It's brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters in the $15 Club, Prophet of Jupiter, Six Mill, Hampus ML, and... And Chatterack. And uh, this is Cat Temper with When Puss Comes to Shove.
And that was When Puss Comes to Shove by Cat Temper from the album Feralize. And if you like cat puns, check out that album because every song is a cat pun. Hold on. Let me just read the damn... No New Tale to Tell, Big Kitty Nights, Careless Whisker, Bad Catitude, Scratch Me When I Fall, The Unforgiven, and Should I Stray or Should I Go? So every song has a lovely cat pun for you cat lovers out there. And that song was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. There's Mads, Baron Christensen, and uh, and we'll never forget the, the immortal Chris Lyle-Lane. So here's what we're going to do, okay? I'm talking to you now, Computer Magic. Okay. See, I just called you computer magic, and it's weird. Uh, I'm going to go to my conversation with uh, Neon Arcadia, and then maybe uh, when that's all done, we'll come back to uh, say goodbye. How about that? Okay, sounds good. All right, cool. So look, here now is my conversation with Neon Arcadia. Well, I'm here right now with Neon Arcadia, a.k.a. Benny. What's going on, buddy? Not much, man. Uh, what's going on with you? Living the quarantine life. Yeah, you know, man. Just one day at a time. I'm saying fuck 2020. And so uh, this is part of the, I guess, the Beyond Synth lockdown series where I'm going to uh, interview as many people as possible. And that is what uh, the mission is today. Awesome. But look, man, we're not going to talk about that. Fuck 2020 and all this bullshit. We're here to talk about Neon Arcadia, a.k.a. Benny. You're too kind, my friend. So uh, tell me about uh, yourself. What do you like to do? Uh, First and foremost, I'm a big gamer. You know, I've been uh, playing music most of my life. Nothing really formally. I picked up a keyboard when I was four. Like, I was given, like, one of those old school Casios, and I used to sit in front of the TV and learn to play commercials, you know, the music and stuff by ear, just winging it. And, uh, you know, I've always been a gamer. My dad actually had a comic book store when I was growing up, so I've been around pretty much all of it. Toys, games, comics, the good, the bad, the adult comics, you know, all the crazy stuff. Your dad had a comic book store? Yeah, I was born and raised in Brooklyn, New York, and I was born in 82, so, you know, my dad had the store before I was born. It was called Brain Damage Comics. And uh, it was in Park Slope, the, one of the nicer parts of Brooklyn when uh, the Williamsburg area was not safe back then. Like, you could not be in Williamsburg past, like, 5 o'clock. You'd be crazy to do that. You know, it's very different now. But, uh, yeah, he had that store before me, and, you know, it was a little tiny shop, literally adjacent to the building that we lived in. So it was just uh, kind of down the stairs, you know, every day for him. And then uh, when I got a little older, like, late 80s, early 90s, he opened a store like across the street a little further like a bigger you know bigger design that he wanted so he ended up calling that store brain damage comics memory lane so it was big on uh you know having like a catalog of golden age comics and comics were very hard to sustain back then like the business side of it and he went through a lot of those struggles and he worked with a lot of distributors back then that are like huge now like diamond was based in brooklyn so we used to like literally drive to the Diamond Distribution to pick up comics every week and stuff like that. So obviously, you know, being an adult now, seeing how big Diamond is and how big comics and everything are now, it's it's pretty surreal to see. I don't think I know Diamond Comics. What do they do? Well, Diamond is uh, one of the bigger distributors. So oh, okay, help, okay, okay, okay. So like we would pick up all the, you know, whatever my father would order, whether it be comics, whatever, he'd go to the distribution warehouse, which is like maybe 15 minutes, 20 minutes from our house 
But now, like, you know, just for example, if you go to the toy fair, they're a big distributor of all the toys nowadays. So, like, the DC comic toys, whatever it may be, they're a huge distributor. They're worldwide now. So, just seeing that side of that business grow to where it is now, knowing how little it was in the beginning, pretty, uh, cre- pretty crazy. Do comic shops... I guess they don't really exist now, do they? I mean, it, it seems like it's all sort of like memorabilia focused now. Yeah, it's... I hate to say it's kind of become the secondary portion of the store. I mean, realistically, when you're running a business, you got to sell what people want. And, you know, first and foremost, it's sold to people as being a comic book store. But most of the money's coming from, you know, like you said, collectible statues. And, and a lot of... I think a lot of it references comics. So everything Deadpool nowadays, everything X-Men and you know, Avengers, like, they utilize the brands. So it's not that they're just selling other other stuff, but, yeah, like, the traditional comic, it's for, like, the hardcore fans. Like, I have a couple of friends that still buy comics every week and unfortunately I was never, I was never that guy. I'd never sat and bought comics every week. You know, I would read stuff helping my dad in the store. That's where I learned all my stuff with the characters and whatnot, but I was never a big, big comic book reader. So the stores that exist, they have that core, you know, following. And, you know, they'll order a list of books for people every week. They'll come in and say, I need this, 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 this. And that's pretty much what my dad used to do also. They're far few in between. They're not as big as they used to be. You know, even Kevin Smith's store in uh, Red Bank, New Jersey, uh, Jay and Silent Bob, Secret Stash. It's a small little store, but, you know, they focus on the comics, but they have a lot of, like you said, memorabilia and stuff like that and obviously they can capitalize on the Kevin Smith stuff so that helps them too yeah I feel like that's the same way that the uh, video game stores have gone now as well and the music stores too when I was younger were just music and maybe a few t-shirts and now they're all memorabilia and uh, uh, custom monopoly games and toys and plushies and all that shit and it seems like the video game stores are pretty much that too now like there's the wall of games and then there's just all this uh, other stuff yeah it's tough I mean every kind of store like that nowadays you gotta remember the one thing that they all sell they could have nothing in common with each other but they're all gonna sell Funko Pops yeah <laughs> that's the freaking world we live in nowadays if you think about it like that's probably one of the most dominant businesses in in the entertainment side of things now because they can blink their eye and they can have whatever license they want you know it's it's a crazy kind of power to have that's really i think where it got more people into these other stores like the stores that we would shop in like the record shops and the comic book stores and the video game stores i mean like gamestop is not really gamestop anymore we can go on a tirade on that but we won't do that (laughs) (laughs) um look before we get carried away here let's listen to some music all right sounds good that's the key so i want to listen to this track this one is called daydreams and uh it's by neon arcadia
And that was Daydreams by Neon Arcadia. And I'm here right now with Neon Arcadia, Benny, talking about comic book shops and... Uh, Funko Pops. <laughs> you know, I have no interest in Funko Pops. God bless your soul. <laughs> I don't get why they're such a big deal. Like, we're talking about the fucking bobbleheads with the two beady eyes, right? Yeah, pretty much everyone looks the same for the most part and has specific definitions to define, you know, that character, let's just say. What a racket. I'll be honest, I think the big thing for it is, deep down, anybody that's into looking back at stuff that they grew up with, loved the idea of having something tangible to remember that by. And obviously, bobbleheads were popular at some point, but they were never at this stage. And it's always because it was like very specific uh, licenses. So I think now, because they've hit so many different demographics and so many markets you could think about any franchise that's out there and they probably have a funko pop i don't like them i have some because i'm a sucker like, <laughs> <laughs> i hate to say it like it started with kingdom hearts i'm a diehard kingdom hearts fan and i saw that they made you know they started with like donald and goofy i was like all right i'm not gonna buy those because they're not for the game and then they came out with sora and then they came out with the and i was like oh you gotta be kidding me then i ended up with like almost the entire set like an idiot and now i want nothing to do with them because the collecting aspect for me is over but then i would walk into a store and i'd see like that one character of something that i love like i love certain anime so i see like full metal alchemist and i know certain ones will sit on the shelf always some will disappear so being a collector i'll be a sucker and i'll be like oh my god i'll never see this guy again and I'll grab it like an idiot. And then I'll see, oh my god, Speed Racer. That's the niche that they've gotten, is they've grasped people that they know, oh my god, people love this character. They're gonna go crazy over it. And then they'll make the stupid variants to, oh, let's make him see-through. Let's make him smell like crap. Yeah. Like, you know, they, just, <laughs> they come out with cereal. It's like, it's just insane. It's, it's a massive business. I think the thing that frustrates me about Funko Pops is, like, with regular bobbleheads, there's still a fair amount of detail in the actual head. I've seen some pretty detailed bobbleheads heads where you're like, oh, like, that's a nice little caricature of the person they're representing. But fucking Funko Pops, it's like they all go into the same mold. Like, they all look exactly the same. To me, it's a racket. That's their model that works. That's what helps them pump them out in the speed that they do because they're using that one mold. And yeah. it's also become their identifier. <laughs> yeah. You know, if you look at a Funko Pop, you know it's a Funko Pop. But I get what you're saying, and I agree. Like, you know, I think a perfect example would be baseball bobbleheads, right? You know, mm -hmm. baseball bobbleheads are going to be the baseball player and you can tell that they're those characters. Here, you know, you're doing black dots for eyes and that's really, you know, and then any clothes or hair that they might have. That's really it. So, we're suckers. I hate to bring the reality yeah. up. <laughs> we are out there buying TP, you know, because uh, the end of the world's coming. So, why not buy a Funko Pop to wipe your ass while you're at it? Yeah, well, there's lots of things you can wipe your ass with. I mean, I always uh, get on uh, my wife's case because she has, like, so many clothes and somehow I have to fit my entire wardrobe into a drawer and then literally the rest of the room is just fucking all these things just draped all over the place and now i realize well hell that's gonna be a lot of stuff to wipe our ass with because i'm just <laughs> that's all i do i feel like all these people buying up toilet paper it's just like is all you do all day is like wipe your ass? I mean, I mean, that, there might be a bigger epidemic that we don't know about. I guess the fucking. <laughs> well, maybe it's also because everyone eats like terrible food. Well, yeah. If you think about all the food that people were buying up that was selling out, it wasn't healthy food. It's all like frozen foods. 
Like if you went and like saw pictures, people were taking pictures of all like the vitamins and pretty much anything to boost your immunity. People were not buying. Yeah. Because in a panic, they're like, "Oh, we need microwave food. We need food that can last." They're not going to buy the fruits and the vegetables. God forbid. I mean, I don't eat vegetables, but what I've discovered is, and what I didn't want anyone to find out, and I knew like if people find this out, man, we're going to be fucked. Is that uh, you can wipe your ass with a spent banana peel. Oh boy. Yeah. And so when people find that out, then you're going to see bananas go fucking flying off the shelf. Yeah, and then you know how many plumbers are going to need to hire more people? Yeah. <laughs> people are going to be flushing <laughs> banana peels. It's going to be Donkey Kong in here. <laughs> That's going to be some serious shit, literally. <laughs> it's going to be Donkey Kong in here. <laughs> oh, just think about that. You know, like Mario Kart banana peels, people wiping their ass with them. Maybe this is like a really dark and awful thing to say, but we could probably all afford to lose a f- bit of weight. Because a lot of people, when they're buying for like, oh, I got to buy for like two weeks, and they have these huge carts. And like, really, if you need to. You can survive on very little amount of food. It's just we're so used to eating all this garbage. And to be fair, Doritos do boost your immunity. I read that from the Doritos company. Was it the same article about, you know, people needing to buy toilet paper because they're going to have the uh, corona shits? Yeah, that's it. Is that even a thing? <laughs> the corona shits? I don't know. <laughs> I guarantee somebody out there. Look, I hate to say it. We've come to the point where you can't believe anything you read anymore. And then I was reading that like dogs could get it. But then now you're hearing that they can't. Yeah, there's a lot of sort of mixed messaging where it's like they'll say a whole bunch of uh, scandalous and like salacious shit and then follow it up with, oh, but don't be panicked or whatever. And like, well, then you shouldn't have said the first part. Like, you know, fuck you. Right. Fuck this dumb year. Listen, I'm trying to be very (laughs) mindful to, even though obviously everybody I'm talking to in the next little while, we're all sort of affected by lockdowns and travel restrictions and stuff like that. I don't want that to be the focus of the conversations because this is beyond synth and this is the fucking music time, the happy hour. So look, I want to listen to this track. It's called Crimson Staircase and uh, and it's a cool little track. Kind of sounds like a horror film title sequence and I dig it. So let's listen to it.
Crimson Staircase by Neon Arcadia, and I'm here with Neon Arcadia right now, Benny, talking about Funko Pops and shitting, I think is what we're... Wiping your ass with them, apparently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll find a good use for those boxes one day. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So whatever happened to the comic book store? Well, my father had the store up until like the mid, mid to late 90s, like 96, 97. Things didn't work out. He lost the store. Fast forward to now, unfortunately, about uh, nine years ago, he died. So unfortunately, he's not around anymore. But uh, it's one of those things where those type of stores like i said that timeline it was very hard to sustain them i literally had a conversation with a friend the other day and i said you know i wonder if you think about like the movie butterfly effect like what life would be like if my father's to hunt the store is that something that he'd still be running would i be running that with like my brother and you know just kind of crazy things you know if he was able to sustain it to this point where everything is like has peaked you know i think that things can still go up a little bit but i feel that we're at that point where like people might be getting a little you know oh it's kind of the same thing you know i think a lot of that's with the marvel movies but that's a whole another discussion i love that stuff fan not bashing at all but we've come to a point where now we have to start introducing other stuff and kind of make it feel like it's within that comic book nerdish pop culture kind of way that's why like new york comic-con has become so saturated with like stuff that i don't feel is even relevant to that kind of world yeah like i used to do comic book conventions with my dad in the 80s and i actually have pictures of like me and him walking in the aisles like looking in the white you know if you remember the white the long rectangular boxes that we used to have the comics you know we'd be sifting through them and that's pretty much what comic book conventions were like he used to do them in uh new york city all the time and he would vend you know and he would sell comics and his goal was to he'd sell two golden age comics he made his quota because like one comic would be like eight hundred dollars right you know just like crazy stuff like that but nowadays everybody vends everybody sells 60 percent of the people that are at these shows are selling funkos like not even kidding so you mean when you used to go as a kid there wasn't uh, hot chicks walking around uh, dressed in elaborate cosplay no unfortunately that started i feel like that started around with um e3 but also ces ces and, and e3 started that you know many years ago obviously i didn't get to a lot of those shows my first e3 was actually like two years ago and the running joke with people that are close to me is i'm the reason that e3 doesn't exist now (laughs) because i showed up and then all of a sudden it went to shit like the next year sony dropped out and everyone's like oh you know what you shouldn't have went if you would have went we would still be you know in a good place so i live with that torment every day (laughs) to be honest with you i don't i've never quite understood e3 i mean at least now the big things of every e3 is always the big threes fucking presentation right and to be honest with you i always find them really embarrassing like i don't like when ceos come out and try and crack jokes and they have no fucking presence and it's really awkward you know people are like clapping for watching video game trailers like it's so stupid to me right like i'm still annoyed that they announced metroid prime 4 like fucking eight years ago now and we've seen nothing and everyone fucking cheers because they just fucking posted the logo which someone probably just whipped up in photoshop that day and clearly they did because it took them like three years to admit that like well there really isn't a game and now we're giving it back to the original company again to work on it's like i know there wasn't a game because you didn't fucking show anything so stupid but I always find them so embarrassing, and so I prefer now, like, when Nintendo does their Nintendo Directs, right. and it's just like, 
Here's the games where they're coming out. Here's how you play them. The end. There's none of this fluff where, like, people come out and, like, man, you know what it was like when you were, like, a kid riding a fucking skateboard? And then, like, Tony Hawk comes out and he has nothing to say. And then, like, there's, like, and here's a fucking trailer for a game that isn't going to be out for two years. Like, and everyone's, like, clapping. And it just, it frustrates me. Like, honestly, like, the best presentations I remember, I think one year Sony just came out and then just played a fucking bunch of game trailers in a row for upcoming projects that was the presentation was just here you go and then it was just fucking trailer after trailer after trailer and like as far as i was concerned like yeah that's a lot better than having to sit through embarrassing people who have no fucking stage presence talk like it's fucking awful i'll be honest the uh the e3 i was at was actually that for as far as sony uh sony had like that one part if you remember this was when we first got any visual for last of us 2 and they had somebody play the guitar so like that was the only non-gameplay you know aesthetic of the entire event you know visually it was cool because they kind of well brought us into like this hall that they designed to look like a church so like we had to stand there it was kind of weird because it was like really really hot out that day but ultimately they had the person play the music they played the trailer then they said all right we're gonna migrate to this next room the next room was for uh ghost of tsushima so like they had a walkway that like kind of represented that game then they had the person play the uh the instrument there and then from there it was just trailers the entire time Wait, when when does that game come out? It's actually really soon. I think it's in the next coming months. They actually just put out the release date with another trailer, collector's edition. So that's finally coming out. It's going to be after Last of Us, because I know Last of Us is really, really soon. Ghost of Tsushima, that's uh, fucking infamous, guys, right? Yes. That's going to be a fucking good game. Agreed. I mean, it looked awesome when we first saw it. It was like maybe four years ago because they showed it before that. And that was the first time we actually saw gameplay for it. Um, It's slated for June 26th. So it's actually, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> you can be my you can be my video game news guy. Absolutely, you know that. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, I uh, I'm a senior editor for GamingAge.com too, so I'm all in the gaming business. Yeah, man, we'll have to talk about that. But I want to listen to uh, another track first, and this is a cool one. It's called uh, No Time, and it's by Neon Arcadia. Thank you. 
That was Neon Arcadia with the track No Time. And I'm here right now with Neon Arcadia talking about PlayStation uh, game trailers and all this stuff. So besides making tunes, you you mentioned this before we we played the track, but you're also fucking uh, a senior editor. What does that mean? I do a lot of the back-end stuff, so I help my staff. Like I'm one of the primary contacts with our PR and a lot of the actual game developers, so if I have editors that are scheduled to review a game, I'll reach out, you know, get in contact with them, get all the information, request the game, work with the team when it comes to pre-publishing, looking over the articles with my editor-in-chief and my other senior editors with that. So I do a lot more on the emailing and the communication side of things. And So then you don't do any writing per se like it's like other writers and you just sort of like proof stuff or does senior editor mean you kind of run it sounds like you run it i kind of help run things for the most part i've been doing that more than actual writing as of lately just time wise it's for me when it comes to writing a review you got you have to have your head in it and um, if you're not mentally in that state when writing, you're not going to put out your best work. So I have den- definitely done reviews. Um, May will be five years I've been with Gaming Age. Um, I've actually been doing, in the past, I did a lot of event reporting. So I would attend shows, um, private events. So Activision has flown me out for Call of Duty XP. When Skylanders was big, I was actually flown out to the headquarters of Vicarious Visions, the guys that made the original Tony Hawk games and then the Skylander games too. So I was actually there for like three days. We got to watch how they actually designed the, the toys in the, in the house and 3D printing them. And that was the year that uh, the Donkey Kong and the Bowser figures made it into that line. Had a podcast going for a little bit with my, one of my uh, editors called Press for Time, which is a brand of mine. The thing with me is I, I dip my hands in a lot of stuff and time makes it a bit tough to do everything at once. So I've been trying to put a lot more focus on the Neon Arcadia front because I'm obviously doing all the writing and I've had a bit more of a social media presence. Every Monday, I'll do a motivational Monday video, just my insight on how to help get through the day, help get through the week, knowing that I struggle with that stuff too. I do Thank You Tuesdays every Tuesday, which I thank somebody that has made an impact in my life because I feel that we tend to thank people more so when they're gone, when it's too late. And uh, I actually started one for Wednesdays. It's Again, I'm overloading myself, but uh, <laughs> I, I did a Without You Wednesday, which I wanted to thank people that help keep things that I do afloat. You know, like me on Arcadia, it's not just me, it's a four-piece. I have three other band members that put a lot of time, a lot of heart, a lot of effort into the music. You know, we have a singer, we have a drummer, and then we have uh, another person that contributes to the writing as much as me with the synths, guitars, and stuff like that. I handle a lot of the pretty much all the arrangements and the, the finalizing and the pre-mixing and then the upcoming EP I actually brought in another engineer just because I know I can be honest with myself and I can realize that I don't have the experience that a lot of these awesome artists in our scene have where they can produce everything themselves I wanted to make things better so I brought somebody in with a bit more experience so the EP is going to definitely be a bit more polished in that regard sounds like you're applying your senior editing skills to the project trying my best you know you you Utilize talents when they're appropriate. I wish I had that power, dude. What you're doing right now is like a skill I don't have. Like I take 
all burdens unto myself and uh, very rarely well I never reach out for help <laughs> so like all I end up doing is always just being stressed out and I'm always trying to learn to do everything myself and then uh, you get a job half-assed done and uh, that's uh, the Andy way oh stop it I mean look I think you put out a great product and I am far from kissing your ass just because we're live in the air but uh, I think you do great work I've obviously been a fan of yours for a while and I think that the fact that you're doing everything by yourself is is awesome because it's not easy and uh, I think your followers know how much you put into this and how hard it is to do it and uh I love to extend myself. If there's anything I can do to help you, I'm here for you. I'm the same way, actually, in a lot of ways. I play the Thanos game, so you do the, fine, I'll do it myself. Throw that damn gauntlet on by yourself. Then Thor cuts your head off, and then, uh... I didn't, I don't know, man. Endgame doesn't make sense to me. The more I think about that movie, I don't know that I, uh... Find yourself a fan at this point. The more I think about it... Like, you know what I mean? Like, when I just think about the logistics of what's going on, it's like, I don't know that this movie makes sense. Like, I, w- I wanted to like... I liked the first half better. I thought Infinity War was way more fun. The, the struggle was real, more so, I feel. And obviously, feeling that impact at the end of that movie, you can't replicate that. Would you say it's safe enough? The movie's been out long enough. I can, I can stay stuff and people aren't going to get offended. Do people get too offended about, like... I feel like Marvel, I mean, people really like them. And I mean, I enjoy the movies, but it's not the same as talking about Star Wars or something like that. Like, I feel like Marvel is open for criticism and no one's going to jump in and get mad at you. I think. It's more of the spoilers, but people get very particular on the spoilers. Oh, fuck them. They've been memed to death. (laughs) Like, at this point in time, like the Marvel, especially Infinity War and whatever, like, it's been memed so many times. Like, I don't think there's any escaping the spoilers. Yeah, so I mean, obviously, the reality is... All that mourning that we did, that impact that we felt at the end of Infinity War, you know, obviously it, we've got we got a little bit of loss, you know, in the in the second movie, but we didn't. It wasn't the same because every you know most almost everybody came back. So I think that that first experience, like, I'll never get that time back, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean like that movie fucked me up. Like I'm not even kidding, dude. Like I'll tell you this from that movie, the reason that it impacted me so much is because coincidentally. The Infinity Gauntlet issue one was the first comic my father ever gave to me that said, this is your own. You can take this home. And I took that home and I read that book and that book messed me up for a long time. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to be real with you for a second (laughs) because with that book, it reminded me at that point that the heroes can die too and that we're not all invincible. And then a month later, my dad's comic book store actually got robbed and my dad got hurt. And I was held up at gunpoint in my dad's store. I was probably six or seven years old at the time. Having that in my head at the time and seeing that my dad came to my rescue and was able to, in this really crazy situation, in a blink of an eye, if you can kind of visualize, my dad's store was on a corner of a building. So like literally you'd walk in at the corner. The door was actually the corner. So when you'd walk in, it would look like a V. The whole store was like that. The counter was designed that way. So I was pretty much on the customer side, cleaning one night, getting ready to close. Next thing I know, a guy's holding me, wrapped around, you know, his arm around my neck with a gun to my throat, holding the store up. Next minute, I find that I'm somehow behind the counter, and my dad is coming to me. His shirt is all tattered, asking me if I'm all right, and these guys are gone. So it's like one of those scenarios where, like, this comic book put me in a place where... I questioned a lot of things about my heroes and stuff like that. And then I got to experience something like that in such a short period of time. 
So when I saw that movie and that end happened, I was like damaged goods for like the whole night. It was crazy. <laughs> I got home. My wife looked at me. She's like, how was the movie? I broke down. I broke down crying. Hysterical. It was just like absolutely crazy that a movie can do that to somebody. But uh, that to me is when you when you feel those characters, you feel that emotion it takes you to a different place. But then, like you said, with Endgame, a lot of that was undone. We did lose people. But ultimately, that major loss that we had got leaked. I was unfortunate to get part of that, to see that leak early. So that impact didn't have the same effect to me. Yeah, there, there's a way, though, that these things can be done. I should also say, first of all, your dad sounded like a really cool guy. All right? Thanks, man. I didn't want to interrupt this story with any sort of silly things. But, I mean, he sounds like a, he was a really good dude. So that's... Yeah. Appreciate that. But yeah, in the case of fucking Avengers, sometimes a, a movie or things can go on for too long and then they lose the impact. Like sometimes it's because of the editing or because of the pacing and things like that. And I found with Avengers, like had Iron Man died at the end of Infinity War, that moment was way more impactful than the way he actually went. Right. Like even though... Like, the moment of him snapping the gauntlet is, like, a nice moment. I feel like since it happened at the end of what was essentially kind of a pointless CGI battle, where it was like, he's not fighting the Thanos from the first movie, he's fighting this Thanos who's from the past, who... Right. You know what I mean? Like, the the, the emotional stakes weren't the same. Right. Agreed. I mean, I, I've never read the comic, so I don't know how similar the resolution was, but it bugged me a bit that there was a time stone, and there's Doctor Strange, and I just thought, oh, like, there's going to be some way they manipulate that. But then the idea that, like, Tony Stark just decides to put his mind to it and figures out time travel was like, what? Like, it just, the whole movie was so convoluted to me where I was like, ah, it just, a lot of things lost their impact. Right. Because I just felt the first one was, like, one of the biggest and most fun kind of superhero movies I had seen because, like, they were all there and there were so many battles and they were fun to watch and everyone was working together. And then, and then the second one was, like... There's just these lot of really cheesy kind of contrived moments. Yeah, it was a lot of rehash too. You know, obviously revisiting all the old movies and stuff. Like some of that stuff is interesting. I don't know. It's it almost just felt like the movie didn't have like a format. Like it was like kind of like three little movies kind of like jammed together that you know, like there was like the time travel part and it was like very different than the first half and then the first half was really slow, you know, like where it was I don't know, it's, right. it, anyway, look. I want <laughs> <laughs> we can go all day. You know that with this. <laughs> yeah, I want to listen to more music. So let's uh, listen to this track. Uh, this one's called The Hunter, and it's by Neon Arcadia. You're in your head. Let go instead. It's only time. Step back. You'll see inside your dreams.
right, and that was Neon Arcadia with the track The Hunter. And I'm here with Neon Arcadia right now, talking about comics and movies and... Well, we could always go back to video games, because why not? <laughs> the one thing you did forget that was really important, we, we talk about TP. TP's the, the point of this whole conversation. Ah, fuck it. <laughs> Listen, we should, all, we should all have fucking bidets, man. Yeah, people started. When they ran out of toilet paper, they had those people that have them. They're like, all right, go buy it. And then you start. If you go on Amazon, you look up a bidet, there's like 30 of them that are like top 10, <laughs> like crazy. People are just grabbing them. Like, I keep on meaning to get one. Because, yeah, you get those ones that you just like screw onto the top of your toilet seat and then just plug into your uh, water line. Mind you, if you only have like a cold supply, the pipes come from where your toilet is. And so some people have a hot and a cold and some people just have a cold. So right. uh, you might have a cold. Uh, we are talking about a thing that sprays water on your ass <laughs> after you take a shit. All right, that's... That's what this is. Quality. Quality right here. So how much... Like, it sounds like you're fucking got so many things going on at the same time. Like, do you have a full-time thing? Or is it all like these are all kind of part-time things? Or are you just working all the time? Everything is part-time except for my... Yeah, I have a regular 8 to 4 Monday through Friday job. I'm a uh, support engineer for a company that deals... I deal with digital forensics. So my clientele is pretty much law enforcement and we deal with the mobile side of forensics. So Wait, well, hold on, hold on. So what is digital forensics? Digital forensics is pretty much dealing with like technology-based stuff. So let's say, you know, a criminal has done some stuff. They can uh, obtain their phone or their PCs and you need certain software to forensically gather data you know if let's say they deleted stuff you want to find that stuff there's companies out there that make equipment and software to be able to do that work so the company I work for designs hardware and software for that type of stuff to help law enforcement and you know pretty much find data on devices um, you know most commonly the thing is you know you're looking for stuff that maybe somebody deleted so I help on the support side so if somebody has our product they need help I help them get things working the way they need to. So I'm still learning a lot of it. I've been with the company I've been at like a year and a half now, but I've been in IT jobs. Like I've lived on my own since I was 16. So I've literally, I've had to work more than half my life. So it's just come to that point where, you know, I try my best to find time to do other things. And music has always been one of the biggest parts of my life. And I've been in tons of bands. Uh, my last band was a traditional rock band that, uh, you know, we played out all the time. We released EPs, LPs, stuff like that. Two of those members from that band are actually in Neon Arcadia. So we have Rich Neon, who is the guy that started uh, Neon Arcadia with me. Our drummer, Bill Four. Our drummer is actually a very well-known metal drummer from a couple of bands out there called Mutiny Within or Angel Vivaldi. He still plays with them actively. Um, and then we have Tom Pino, who is our singer. He's also part of the writing, pro you know, in the writing process. He was a singer in the last band too. That original band was ghosts of eden we were together for like seven or eight years regularly playing out and we did little tiny tours where we could because we all had day jobs it's always been that life of balance and i'm that type of guy i come up with a lot of ideas a lot of concepts and i want to try to at least get them started but then obviously i try to find where where the engagement is and where i put my focus and right now neon arcadia you know we we have gotten a really solid fan base we've only been on social media for about a year and a half give or take you know i know a lot of people got introduced to us from like my videos seeing the uh the motivational mondays the thank you tuesdays so 
I'm grateful to everybody that's been supporting, you know, those movements. And, you know, it's just a gentle reminder, like I said, that it's it's more than me. It's three other people. And it's also my artists, people that help me do the artwork. And I have my uh, business partner, Tyler, who is an editor with me at Gaming Age as well. He's helping me expand. Like, we created a Discord page to kind of have the video game industry people that we know and the synth fam people that we know and kind of give them a HUD so they can kind of mingle and talk about everything that's video games and music because that's ultimately where my passion was and I saw how many people in the scene were into both. You know, somebody will be playing and like even you, I, I love watching on Facebook, I'll see that you're streaming, you're playing Tetris and you're playing other games and stuff like that, Mortal Kombat. So, you know, we all have so much in common and sometimes it gets lost, you know, with the toxicity of social media and the toilet paper epidemics of the world and <laughs> all, the, all the nonsense. I'm worried at the end of this interview uh, to ask you, like, what lengths people should go to because I feel like you're <laughs> associated with, like, a thousand different websites and it's just going to go on for, like, ten minutes. Yeah, no. I mean, it's really, everything's going to be centered with Neon Arcadia and any branding that I'm going to do is going to stem from there. We have the Twitch page. The Twitch is going to be the Neon Arcadia. It exists already the discord you know if anybody's interested in joining the discord they can message me on twitter i'll be happy to send um, an invitation to that i have um, obtained the neonarcadia.com because of course there is a cover band in the world that decided they wanted to buy neon arcadia a year and a half ago the day before i went to buy it so we won't get into that rant (laughs) but we have we've we've identified as the neon arcadia when it comes to you know social media and stuff like that but we are still neon arcadia yeah well how about this man this all sounds very exciting can we listen to the track vanishing you know what i'm i'm totally okay with it and i'm I'm very appreciative that you uh have interest in it all right cool man well let's uh let's do it up this is vanishing by neon arcadia
was Neon Arcadia with the track Vanishing. And I'm here right now with Neon Arcadia Benny. Although missing our singer Tom, drummer Bill, and the guy you formed it with, Rich, whose last name apparently is Neon, which I don't believe. <laughs> it sounds like a fake name. He took it upon himself, and I said, oh, you know what? That's cool. He used to be uh, Rich Eden before because Ghost of Eden so I was like you just gotta take bad names as your last name that's fine do you guys live in proximity of each other or is this one of them virtual uh, situations it might as well be that and it's actually pretty funny so the singer originally when we started was living in California he is now living in Nashville his day job is a singer songwriter so he's always in sessions doing that type of stuff um, the other two guys are actually I would say no more than 20 minutes away from me and they haven't even met each other yeah <laughs> ain't that some shit dude in my neighborhood where I live I'm literally in proximity of like a few people who I went to school with and like we are friends and we see each other once every like three or four months it seems like and I some of them I could walk to their house in three minutes and it's just <laughs> once you have a family though it's like sometimes it's tricky and uh, yeah it's true when you know you can do something then sometimes you just don't and it's only when you're told you can't do it that all of a sudden you're like what it's like the idea of uh, these lockdown situations you know where they're just like oh you know don't don't leave the country and like oh don't tell me what to do and meanwhile i haven't left the country in like fucking 20 years <laughs> and so it's like right <laughs> what am i upset about but you know when you're told you can't do something but look listen man it was good to talk to you. I enjoy the uh, your sort of positive affirmations you uh, you put on Twitter and stuff. I think that's important. A lot of people are always bickering in the scene, so it's nice to see some fucking positivity. I appreciate it, man. And I try to ground it and let people know I, I can be a very angry person. I'm usually yelling at my son 24-7, so, <laughs> you know, this is no facade. It's... It's a way to help not only provide value to people, it's a way to keep me grounded and remind myself that we all have to be better sometimes. That's really the the truth of the matter is we all have issues. The first and foremost thing is you, you take accountability for yourself. If you can be self-aware that you have issues that you can work on, then that's the first step to just being a better person. And that's where that started. And, you know, I feel that I've had so many people reach out on Twitter directly just you know, hey, you helped get me through a tough day. And, you know, I never thought that it would ever amount to that. I thought it would just be a place for me to vent. And it's been an incredible experience. And I'm grateful to everybody that finds value in it. And as long as people want it, I'll keep doing it. And, you know, thank you. And it's been a pleasure speaking with you. I've been wanting to just shoot this shit with you for quite some time. And I hope we, you know, we can definitely do it again. That'd be awesome. Yeah, man, for sure. And, uh, and people should go to, uh, <laughs> was it neonarcadia.org <laughs> no we're going to do dot uh, gov at this point just yeah <laughs> <laughs> now it'll be the the neonarcadia.com um it's in its infancy but for the most part if you want to find us and more about us we're living on twitter that's pretty much where all my engagement is um it'll be at the neonarcadia perfect well listen man you have a lovely day and stay safe out there and keep your ass wiped or whatever the fuck people are doing <laughs> nowadays. Well, I'm going to go grab a, uh, a turtleneck and just, you know, do the, the flossing dance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But thanks again, man. Yeah, dude. Keep on making cool music and we'll, uh, we'll talk to you again sometime. Take care, man. Be safe. And that was my chat with Neon Arcadia. He's a cool guy, very busy dude, got a lot on the go. And uh, we're going to wind the show down here, but I'm still here with Computer Magic to say goodbye. Hello. What? <laughs>
It's like we're here to say goodbye. Hello. Um, goodbye. So what? Uh, so what can people expect from you as we wind down here? So you've got the podcast. I got the podcast. I am streaming on Twitch a lot these days. Playing Animal Crossing on Twitch. Twitch.tv backslash dance underscore cm. But yeah, follow Synthistry on Instagram. And me, Dan CM on Instagram. I oh, I just put out a covers EP on Bandcamp that you can pay whatever you want for it. I'm my record's done. I'm just trying to figure out when's the right time to release it. And once I figure that out and make some cool videos for it and plan a tour, I will let you know. Do you have a green screen? Of course I do. Then that is what you're going to have to do <laughs> for the videos for the next few. Oh, use my green screen. <laughs> the record's going to be released. I don't know. I don't know when. I can't say a date or anything. I'm glad it wasn't released like a week ago because that would, that would be terrible if I had planned my tour right now. I feel bad for all the people that like had to cancel their tours and stuff. It's got to be such a headache. But I feel lucky enough that I didn't have to cancel a tour. So Yeah, see, that's the thing. You got to gotta find the, the positives. Yeah. But in the meantime, <laughs> when you're ready to share it send it to me because i want to hear it yay yeah i think you'll like it you can come back on the show to promote it whenever you finally uh, put it out because sounds good so look listen you have a lovely day over there and uh maybe i will pick up animal crossing because i think i think jp has it too actually i know there's a bunch of people that have it he does i see him pop up on my friends list have you been to his island no i haven't been to his island yet no okay. i'm trying to plan it I'm trying to plan it out but <laughs> probably soon Awesome. Oh, we should all go to the island to, to somebody's island together. Can you do that? Yeah, we can all go to some. Like, if you get Animal Crossing, me and you can go to JP's island and all hang out. Why is this? <laughs> why is this exciting to me? This is so stupid. I'm sitting there going like, this sounds awesome. I'm like, <laughs> it is not. It is awesome. In times like these, it's it's especially awesome. Just a little brightness. Yeah. No, for sure. All right. Well, look. Listen, it's always nice to chat with you. You as well. And we will talk to you soon, and you can release that album in, in a few months' time. But before then, I guess I'll pick up Animal Crossing and go visit uh, Lobster. Lobster Island. <laughs> 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 Sounds good. All right, take care. <laughs> and uh, everybody else out there, uh, stay safe, be cool people, and uh, keep on listening to Beyond Synth, the best synthwave chat show there is. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening This was Beyonce No more show today Now shut up The robot lady's got something to say If you enjoy the show, please consider supporting it by going to patreon.com slash beyondsynth or you can donate directly on beyondsynth.com Beyond Synth can be found on SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and iTunes. And remember to like and subscribe to Beyond Synth on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch. Until next time... Until next time.